Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. Today, my guest is Chuck Maurer. You know, each week I try to tell some stories, teach a little, and give you tools so that when you walk away from the podcast after listening, you've learned a little bit of something. But sometimes I just love to hear about other people's story. Have you ever seen someone you know, and you're like, what's their story and what's going on? And in this case, I'm really excited to talk to Chuck because I think that we're all going to benefit from hearing about his family. So welcome, Chuck. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So let's just just start. Tell me about your family and what the journey that you have been on. And, you know, let's go from there. Yeah, so I have uh, two sons, Aiden and Noah. Aiden is seven, and he has autism. Noah is five, and uh, he has a little bit of an interesting background too, but both of my boys are adopted. So I'll kind of tell you the story about our whole adoption process. Yeah. Um, So my wife, Brittany, and I have been married for seven years. Excellent. I I hope that's right. Yeah. And uh, she told- She's fact-checking that right (laughs) now. I know she is right now. when we were dating, she told me she couldn't have kids. So it was something that she's known since she, I think she was 13 or 14 years old. Um, okay. She was she has a medical condition, uh, not life-threatening, just can't have children. So when we got married, we started the adoption process uh, relatively early on, um, basically right after we got back from our honeymoon and went through all the classes, um, You know, got ourselves on the list. And about a year into the adoption, we actually got matched. Um, with a uh, birth mom from like the Shaker area. And uh, we were actually adopting a baby girl. Um, We named her Autumn and we were in the hospital when she was born. And I will never forget the night. It was when uh, the Seattle Seahawks lost to the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. I remember that game. (laughs) Yeah. That Monday we woke up, we were all dressed going to the hospital and my phone went off. And it was the lady from the adoption agency telling us that she decided to parent. So my wife. That the, that the mother of the baby had decided she wanted to keep the baby? Is that She was going to keep the baby, correct. Wow. So we were in the hospital for about three or four days. It was a snowy winter, so we were kind of stuck um, on the east side. And my wife was absolutely, absolutely devastated. Of course. So from there, you know, we, we went home. I had to take all the baby room stuff down, kind of shoved it into a corner, Oh man! Sh- shut the door. And uh, lo and behold, two weeks later, we get a phone call that Aiden was born and uh, they wanted to show our book uh, to the birth mom. So if you're not familiar with how it works, you do a whole book about your family and they send you information on the birth mom. Um, do you mind letting me know what company you were working with? Yeah. Caring for kids right okay. out of uh, Cuyahoga Falls, actually right around the corner here. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know how we got hooked up with them. I think we, we talked to a bunch of people and they came highly recommended. 
So that's how we kind of started the process there. Um, but so when we got the call for Aiden, um, they asked us if we wanted to be shown. And this is kind of one of my big things in life is everything happens for a reason. I agree. Um, we ended up getting matched. Um, and his name was actually Gabriel when he was born. <laughs> I have his, uh, his original birth certificate that says Gabriel. Um, and uh, when we brought him, so, so anyways, we got matched with Aiden. And um, we found out later on that the only reason we were allowed to be shown uh, to this particular uh, birth mom was because we had a failed adoption because she didn't have an adoption plan. She gave Aiden up for adoption in the hospital. Okay, so let's backtrack for a second. Sure. When you say shown, you're talking about the book? Correct. Okay. And so repeat that. Like, who decided that that's how it would work for you? Was that something that the, that this the care team decided that? No, that's the, the as far as getting Aiden? Correct. That was the mom's decision. So the mother heard your story. She didn't hear our story. She sees our book. They're she asked, saw your yeah, book. Yeah, the okay. adoption agency said a baby boy was born. Uh, mom's putting her up for adoption. And uh, would you like to be shown? And, of course, the answer at that time was yes. 100% yes. So they go to the hospital, and they have books from, you know, however however many other families they're showing, and they give them to the mom. Okay. And the mom looks through them. Got it. And she makes her decision okay. from there. So we uh, – Aiden went to what's called cradle care for a couple of days because they have to wait 72 hours before the mom can legally give up her, her birth rights or parental rights. I'm sorry. So we were at um, this person's house. I don't remember the city and we were playing with them and holding them and feeding them. And we were waiting to, you know, finally get the call. And uh, our counselor said, Hey, we might not be able to do it tonight, but it wasn't something that was like detrimental. It wasn't like that sinking feeling. So we're just playing with them. And, and at this point, nobody knew. My family didn't know. Her family didn't know. We kind of kept it secret because of what happened sure. before. And uh, I got a text that said, hey, give me a call. I called and she's like, signed everything. We're ready to go. Can wow. you wait there? I'm going to drive out to wherever I was at that time at this house. And we're going to sign all the paperwork. And then we brought him home and, and he was three days old. So, And how many days was that from the experience you'd had before where that was – it was only a couple of weeks. So you, you were still processing. Correct. What, I mean, that's a loss. Yes. You know, and I, I hope people understand that that is a loss. You know, my wife always tells me, because um, there'll be another story later on with the adoption, but she always tells me it, it, for her, she doesn't know what it's like to go through the pregnancy process, something that is really hard for her because, you know, she sees her friends having babies and we had to start our family in a different way. Yes. But when... You know, the first adoption of the first failed adoption we had, it was to her, it was like having a miscarriage, like getting to the end and then something happening. Um, so that's how it kind of relates with her. For me, I'm a big, if it's meant to happen, it's meant to happen. Sure. Did I grieve a little bit? Did I cry? Was I upset? A hundred percent. But I knew that it wasn't meant to be. And that's just kind of how I run my life. If something's meant to be, it's meant to be. Right. And, and I think too, it, everybody processes things differently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of it is, it, it, it has a lot to do, I think, with our expectations and just what, how we thought things were going to turn out. Yes. And yes, it's always refresh. I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> it's always like good to kind of think, okay, this, this, there's a reason why we are not 
you know, united with that child and that there's something that is really more of a fit for us. Absolutely. But it, that I can only imagine. Um, I know that we have some members in my family who have adopted and are in the process of adopting another, but they also were unable, like with a blink of an eye Mm -hmm. to where they were, you know, potential. um, And all of a sudden it was gone. And so having experienced that within my own family and you guys didn't even really get a chance to process it. Correct. I mean, it, so, was, it was so quick that the way it happened. You go from extreme sadness to like, extreme happiness. Wow. And, now we've got this, you know, yeah. newborn, three days old. <laughs> we're bringing him home. Wow. Okay. All right. So then tell, tell me what happened from there. So, you know, typically what happens in the adoption process is we'll get an email that says a matching opportunity because you kind of tell them what you're looking for in a baby. You can be as open as you want or as closed as you want, as open-minded, as closed-minded. And uh, we get an email and it gives the whole description of the birth mom. And if there's any father and parent information or or father information or family history. Um, Unfortunately for Aiden, there really wasn't a lot to go off of Um, his birth mom. He didn't have any prenatal care. Um, So he kind of came into the world behind the eight ball. We met the birth mom one time um, and we'll, we'll never see her again. I don't know where she lives. Um, and he, obviously he doesn't remember her at all. He does. We do have a picture. Um, but so he does know, um, no, I don't think he'll ever truly understand okay, the adoption yeah. process. Right, um, right. cause for him, we started noticing early on, there's a lot of medical things going on with him. Okay. Um, like he would have, he would spit up like more than a normal baby. Like the exorcist is basically oh what he would do. And, you know, from there, then there was torticollis and then there was motor delays and speech delays. And, um, you know, for us, we were noticing, um, he was doing these little jerks, um, from about, gosh, I want to say like three months old. So we took it to his pediatrician. It almost looks like a startle reflux, okay. but it ended up being, uh, um, epilepsy. Oh. So we went down the path of different medications with him. Um, we actually just transferred our care to a doctor at Cincinnati Children's. Um, and he has a lot of just, I don't want to say medical needs, but just he has a lot of needs. So through all of the developmental delays, we knew something wasn't, we knew something was up. You know, okay. my wife's a BCBA, so she works with kids with autism. You know, I work as an assistant principal, so I, I know the signs of stuff and, we took him to the we took him to Cleveland Clinic. He was formally diagnosed with autism. So, you know, he, how old was he then? Five, maybe. So let me backtrack just a little bit if it's okay with you. Sure. So now you've got this three day old and how did it go with you told me that you didn't tell any of your family. It was interesting. Initially, you know, like yeah, no, because it was, of what had happened, you wanted to make sure it was, you know, gonna you it, know, come to fruition. So it was interesting. We, uh, my mom and dad came over that night when we got home and I think it was just bizarre. You know, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't normal and or I shouldn't say it wasn't their normal as far as how a baby comes into the world. Right. Like nobody else in our family is adopted. So 
there was no pregnancy and there was no nine months and there was no getting excited. It was, hey, by the way, your new grandson's here, you know, so they came over and it was a little bit of a process of, you know, um, the comfort level with them. But, you know, now, I mean, Nana and Papa are like the best. My mom picks Aiden up every Wednesday, takes him to the chiropractor, takes him to Petiti. So I think it was just like the initial shock of it. But um, how long do you think it took you to to start to really bond? Was it right away? Did it take some time? um, It took some time for sure. Um, Obviously, I just wasn't used to like I went from being able to do whatever I wanted to like (laughs) this baby's up. Yeah. all the time and yeah. I'm getting angry because he's not going back to bed right. and, and he's not burping. He's doing all this stuff, but it, it, it just took a while. I, th- I think for me, it was just like any parent, you know, like I didn't have the, I wasn't in the hospital with him. I didn't have the contact time with him. Yeah. Um, the skin on skin time. He was home and then he was ready to go. Right. And it was, it, I had to have kind of that time of getting to know him sure. and, you know, the weird thing, though, I, I don't want to say the weird thing. The, the interesting thing is now, and I know I'm kind of jumping ahead and going back. And jumping I know I didn't back, mean to take you back, but I but, just uh, I wanted to know about that transition. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it's um, there is it's unconditional love. You know, even yeah. his brother, who was adopted from a different, you know, from a whole different scenario. He doesn't. It's unconditional love for the kids. They just know us as mom and dad and and grandma and grandpa, nana and papa. And that's all this. But yes, it. It did take time. I can't say it took me a week or three days or a month or right. whatever, but it it did take time. And especially because he was such a tough baby. Yeah. I mean, just everything, the crying, the screaming, the can't sleep, the spitting up, just the, there was always something going on with him. The earaches. Yeah. I mean, so. So you said, so did they get the epilepsy under control? Was that something that was dif- like difficult to manage? Um, at first, we didn't really... At first, we tried a medication. I think it was Keppra. And he was having about anywhere from 10 to 20 episodes an hour. And when, like the myoclonic wow. jerks, it just looked like the startle reflex. Yeah. Um, the Keppra kind of cut it in half. And then we tried another medication. And I don't remember what it was, but we had to break the pill open and pour it into, like, he drank those pouches or ate those pouches. Okay. But then he wouldn't eat them. You know, and the doctor would be like, well, put it on toast. And I, and like they didn't get like he's not a normal kid. He just won't eat a piece of toast. Right. So we finally I, I don't know the medical term for it, but we're we finally have him on Valporic acid. Okay. And he takes it three times a day. And we have not seen a seizure in a long, long time. Excellent. Um, So it is under control. The way it was explained to me is he's still having seizures or he's having um, irregular activity in his brain. They can't really say it's seizures, but basically the way they explain to us is there's a lot of campfires going on his campsite okay. and the medication is keeping it under control. So, you know, they don't know what would happen if we took him off the medication, which is something we wanted to try. Right. But they also said we, we don't necessarily need to, um, we can be kind of be reactionary with it. And if we do see activity, then we can up his dosage because we just don't want to over medicate him. Of course. Um, especially with other medications we're trying now for some mood stuff and, and uh, mood stabilizer. So, so you said he was about five years old when you, he was at the Cleveland clinic and he was formally diagnosed with autism. Yes. And then at that point he also had seizure disorder. Mm -hmm. Any, anything else? Um, he had, (laughs) yeah, there was a lot. I mean, not all, I I think those two are the, 
I, I don't want to say the the big ones. I mean, you know, he had to wear a patch over his eye. We we, we you know poor buddy. I know yes. we had to do the PT for torticollis. Oh, we, you were, you mentioned the torticollis. We yeah. go to speech. he had the reflux. Correct. We go to speech every two weeks. We have OT every two weeks. Plus, at school, he has behavior supports and OT and PT and and speech all all at school as well. So he he has a lot of support. Uh, Good. And he needs a lot of support to you know. I don't I don't want to say function because I mean he is just like a normal kid but if I had to put like an age on him I would say like right now he's like at a 3-year-old as far as And do you and your wife feel like you've got support? Um with family yes 100%. Um do we have support with school? Yes. Do we have support with his doctors and yes. The, the big the hardest thing is getting ABA therapy. Um, you know, my wife, like I said, she provides ABA therapy, but it's hard to do it with your kid. So tell, tell everybody what that, ex- what that is. Oh God, you're gonna put me on the spot here. <laughs> well, um, maybe just explain what the, what the letters mean, like what it's actually called. I don't need applied behavior, something. I forget what the, the other okay, ACS And for. I'm going to totally admit that I didn't know that's why I asked you. Oh, <laughs> My wife is going to kill me if she hears this, but she is like a behavior specialist. So sure. like ABA therapy is they are working with those students. They're doing, you know, they're working with them functionally in the, in the home at school. They're, they're putting supports in place so that they can find the root cause of the behavior and they can bring it back. And that is hard. I mean, I will tell you that being a pediatrician and being a mom, I was never their pediatrician. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I would look at things or see things or, you know, comment and so on. But I, they still saw their own pediatrician all those years because it, you, it is hard. You can't, it, you have to separate that. So I could understand. Like she knows what needs to be done. Correct. And if, if she's anything like me, I'm kind of a perfectionist. So of course I'm always, you know, making sure everybody's doing what I think is right. Yeah. You know, it's it, as she always says, I can't be the therapist. Probably like you, you can't be the doctor Mm-mm. and the mom. She can't be the therapist and the mom. The hard thing is, is it's very expensive. Oh, you I'm know, sure. a lot of it's billed through insurance and our insurance doesn't, my insurance doesn't take it right now. So for us to come out of pocket a few thousand dollars a week. Wow. Um, you know, even five, five, even like 500 bucks a week is a lot of money that oh, yeah. for, for something that, you know, it's up and coming. But if you don't have that, if you don't have the means available and so not only do you not have the means, but you have to find a really good place. You know, there's a lot of companies that do it. And I think my wife kind of has the inside track on which one she would recommend. But you have to find a good company. You have to find people that are reliable because they're coming to your home and providing these therapies and providing support for you. Like what my wife does is she goes into her clients' homes and she works with the, the she works with the they call them behavior technicians who's working with the kid and she provides a plan that you have to follow you know or that that person needs to follow and she works with the parents and um, you know it's hard to do that at home because her and I are are so busy that you know. I'm I'm not structured at all, like with him, you know. I think I need that, <laughs> but I'm not structured. And he really needs structure. We need, and, and you know, my wife works, and then she does, you know, since she has a side business, and I work all day at the school, and then I'm gone doing real estate all night for the most okay. part. So like tonight, I won't even see him because I came out to do this. They'll be in bed by the time I get home. 
So well, thank you for coming. No, you're you're welcome. I don't have to put in the bed then, so <laughs> it's a plus for me. I get it. I get it. So okay, and and so we were talking about the support and you know being able to com- compartmentalize and and make sure that he's got what what he needs. And so was this all coming down during COVID because like when the lockdown and everything, when you couldn't get appointments or do you, cause I'm trying, I'm thinking of his age and when he got diagnosed and just kind of the timing. I'm sure that was a challenge. Yeah, too. no, he got diagnosed before COVID. It was okay. in the fall. Um, the hardest thing with COVID was he, he was in preschool at the time, him and his brother were in preschool and they switched to virtual. Well, mm. His brother could handle being on the computer for an hour a day. Yeah. He couldn't. And, you know, it was hard enough to get him up and in front of the teacher for on a computer and there is no structure. So we tried our best on days, but uh, a lot of it was just send me the work you want me to do with them. I, I can do it with them, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you're trying to do OT or, or PT or speech from a computer right they're doing it virtually correct and it's not it's not their fault but it's not it's not conducive to to the kids learning i mean even even the kids that are older now i mean even not my kids high school kids that were it's it's not absolutely the best for them so and every child if i've learned anything from this whole these last two years it really is that every every child just learns differently and we just it's, it's almost like they everyone needs an iep Oh, a hundred percent. So hundred percent. Everybody needs something. Maybe not. Everybody's special in their own right. And they have their own needs. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So wait, when did then, what was your, what's your other son's name? Noah. Noah. Oh, how can I forget? I love that. (laughs) Um, how, so when, when did Noah come into the mix of all this? Yeah. So here's another crazy story. Um, Noah is 14 months younger than Aiden. So we went back on the adoption list about 14 months after we got Aiden. And after we went on the list, uh, two weeks later, we got chosen okay. by, a, by a, um, a birth mom. And we actually drove out to like the Youngstown areas where she was from. We met her. Um, and she, um, Unfortunately, she had a lot of demons. Um, she was a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Um, Noah actually has a half brother that is ten months older than him. Okay. So uh, he's never met. We send stuff um, honestly for both of them to the adoption agency. So if the grandparents or whoever want to see what they look like, they can go up and get them. But I I, I doubt that anybody's seen anything. Okay. Um, so, anyways, Noah's mom is is no longer with us, um, and. I don't know who Noah's dad is, but okay. uh, they obviously, they don't look anything alike. Um, uh, I don't know what Noah, I, I don't want to say I don't know what Noah is, but his mom was Caucasian. I don't know what his dad was. Okay. He, he uh, if I had to take a guess, uh, Native American or Hispanic, okay. but he has beautiful skin oh, and I my bet. mom is jealous <laughs> of his skin. So he was born and we went to go meet the mom. Because usually you meet the birth mom and then they pick from there. So it was a little bit different of an experience. So when we went there, she shared with us that she was already picking us because we had another um, child. So he would grow up with a sibling. Um, When he was born, he was born addicted to heroin. So he was in the NICU for six or seven days. Um, So we would visit him. We signed the papers at the hospital and uh, I stayed with him. 
the one night. He was supposed to come home, I think, in like five days, but then they had to give him morphine. So he stayed uh, at the NICU, and I want to say it was St. John's, if that sounds so familiar. It was on the east side, like by Youngstown. Okay. St. John's or St. Joe's. Um, and then we brought him home when he was about seven or eight days old. And Was he on any medication? He was on, they weaned him off something when he got home. I don't remember what it was, Okay, but I had to give him medication for a little bit. And he's, he's developed, um, very normal. Oh, good. Um, he's actually very intelligent. The one interesting thing, um, knowing that his mom was an, an addict and you can tell sometimes his personality and my wife and I've always kind of talked about that because, you know, like most kids, he likes video games. But like he really likes them, right? Yeah. Like he can't like it, it's he's like addicted to it. And it, like sure. we see that in his personality and it's just kind of like, OK, we really when he gets we've talked to him about being adopted, but he's like, I don't want to hear about that. I don't care about that. Oh, we showed him a picture he of says his, that. Yeah. And we showed him a picture of his mom. And he's like, that's not my mom, you know, and yeah, he's five. Yeah. So does he understand? I don't know. But that's something that we've talked about. Like we have to have those conversations with him as he becomes a teenager because we don't know. Mm-hmm. what the repercussions could be if he gets involved with anything knowing his his history his or history. his yeah his mother's history correct wow and that you know that go we always hear that expression nature versus nurture and i think that in in his situation he is in a very nourish, nourishing nurturing sorry nurturing environment well, i appreciate that yeah my wife's much better than me i just i just i don't know what i'm doing i just go in close my eyes and hope for the best you know what but i'll <laughs> tell you and that's been the i try really hard on the podcast to tell parents that you know in my first podcast i even said if my kids were born with a manual mm-hmm. yeah i i know what i'm doing too <laughs> but it is you just do the best you can and you know they're both different and they have different needs. And that's why you've got each other to help, you know, bring, you both bring something to the family for each, each of you. Yeah. And for each of them. And I think that that is so important because then, you know, things are fluid instead of rigid, if that makes any it, sense. It does. I mean, structure is one thing, you know, being rigid is a whole different story, <laughs> but that's, I don't know if I offer maybe structure that or rigid or whatever. Um, so you know what? Do you love them? Of course. And that's all they need. You know, I remember one time, and I think I I may or may not have said this in the past. I remember saying to the dentist about one of my kids, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. And he looked <laughs> at me, and he goes, "You just got to love them." And I never forgot that because that is, you know, it goes a long way. I mean, I, I 100% agree with you. If you, everything else falls into place. I learn, you know, as I'm doing. Um, right now, we're in like Noah. My wife's with him now. He's at ice skating, and then Thursday swimming, and then Saturday soccer. So like we're just getting in, like to that phase now. Yeah. And uh, Noah couldn't be farther from like me. Like, yeah, he, is he doing soccer? But he would much rather like play make believe and do like magic tricks and you know I'm football and basketball and and right. and sports so I'm trying to learn that phase of them and do stuff that is interesting to him too you know stuff that I'm not yeah I think mean, like he makes me play Minecraft with them and I have no idea what I'm doing but <laughs> I get to spend time with them sure yeah so. that's so important and how do they get along with each other so 
a little. So Aiden is Aiden can Aiden's nonverbal, okay. but he uses a lot of word approximations. I mean, he can say "daddy" and "nana" and "papa" and, and "Noah," and, and, and you'll know what he means. Um, but he can't say like "I want this" or "I want that." Mm-hmm. So he tries to get Noah's attention by saying "Noah," and Noah ignores him because he's his brother. And then he hits him, and then they hit each other, and then they're fighting. So it, it's very much like the typical brother relationship of course but like if we roughhouse or play like aiden can't differentiate when we're playing and they can jump on me and fight me and when it's like you know it's just it's just 100 100 miles an hour i'm just hitting everybody in sight do you think noah understands what that he's capable of um what his challenges are yes and no i think because like if i yell at aiden because i'll get frustrated too just like anybody else sure um because you, you could take screaming and stuff sometimes so launch. And I'll yell and Noah will come and yell at me like, that's my brother. You can't talk to him like uh-huh. that. And I've had the conversation with um, Noah that, hey, do you know that Aiden's not like typical kids? He has what's called autism. Do you know he can't talk? Do you know he can't do like, do you understand this stuff? And he gets kind of like sad about it. But I don't know if he fully grasps, grasps it because like they're both in kindergarten right now. They're not in the same class. And Noah goes the full day. Aiden goes half day and then goes a couple hours in like a resource classroom and they don't see each other. I mean, they see each other in the hallways, so I don't know if, and they ride the bus together. So I don't know if Noah really understands how different it is. And it's going to be more evident in the next couple of years when like he doesn't, you know, not that he's like secluded, but like he's going to be in more of an intense setting than Noah's just in the general classroom. So I don't know if it's truly going to hit no until he's probably second or third grade and he can start comprehending it. And right now, that's just what he knows, right? Like we don't have a lot of play dates. We're just starting to get to those play dates. So his play is with Aiden. And I don't even know when we have other like friends of the family over with their kids. You know, I don't really know if he realizes there's a big difference yet. Uh, you know, and he may not because it's it's amazing to kid, to me that kids are they're already inclusive. Mm-hmm. We talk about inclusion and and uh, and diversity and things like that. But to them, everybody everybody's the same and different. Correct. And they don't really judge it. And I love that. Well, and I think a big part of it is, you know, in schools now, um, kids with severe needs, they, you know, talk about being inclusive. You try, you try your hardest to get them in front of their peers and with their peers. And, you know, can kids be mean to other kids? hundred percent. But I think kids have an understanding of the differences with some of these kids and they, and, and they want to include them and say hi to them and stuff like that. So, you know, for, for Aiden, it's going to be a long road. And I think kind of, I don't want to say like what his future is going to hold, but it's sad when you sit down and you look like, is he going to live with us the rest of his life? Is he ever going to have somebody that loves him? Is he ever, you know, he's not, is he's probably not going to get married, you know, and you, and you, you think about that stuff with a seven year old, like, and it's sad because then you see Noah and it's also sad for Noah because like he doesn't have the best social skills right now because his, you know, 90% of the day before he was in school was with Aiden and with us. So you're with two adults and you're with uh, a brother that is not typical. So we're working through a lot of stuff with him too. I'm just being able to go up to people and talk and because he, he's, he's just used to bossing Aiden around and doing whatever. So it does he seem to be adjusting to school okay? Yeah, he loves school and he loves his friends at school, but he's really shy. Like he wouldn't he didn't want me to read to the class, you know? When we're when we have friends over, he doesn't want to go by himself and like 
say, can you come play with me? And then he gets mad if somebody doesn't want to play what he wants to play, you know. So we're working on all, all of that stuff. But as far as school, we're working on the reading right now. Um, and he does not have a passion for reading. And I, you know, I'm not the best reader, not the best, you know, reader. So um, I shouldn't say that. Can I read? Yes. Do I love reading? No. <laughs> um, so he's working on that. He's going to Title I. But I mean, as far as everything else, I mean, he's he's super intelligent. And he has his, he has, he knows stuff that I have no idea how he knows it. So. And I think what, what is so important too is if you just celebrate wins. Yeah. You know, really praise both of them for when they do things that are right. And that just goes a long way, I think, because so often it's like we're trying to direct and redirect and tell them what they should or shouldn't be doing. And then, you know, don't forget about the things that they're doing, catching them doing something right. hundred percent. And I should have warned you before I started that I have terrible ADHD. And that's probably why I jump around so much when I'm talking from future to past. To it's okay. Present. I took you back a couple, <laughs> a little bit too, because I, I really wanted to give people the understanding, you know, of, of the story because it's not easy. I mean, I, I, as soon as you told me that you were going to adopt your second one, I was, my first thought was, wow, you guys are really courageous. Courageous. I love that word to have courage. It, I'm not going to lie. It took me four years after Gabe to have <laughs> Well, child. I can imagine why. <laughs> so just <laughs> to remind everybody, Gabe is my son and that's how I, um, have the honor of knowing Chuck. And so it, it, it did, it took me about four years. I mean, there were some other reasons like medical school and residency, but of you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed because, um, it, well, first of all, it takes a lot of courage to just adopt and, and really, you know, take those steps to, to move forward. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't know is, um, with the adoption, yeah, it, it it's very expensive, I mean, you're not talking like a couple hundred bucks. You're talking about twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Um, and I have nothing but great things to say about uh, caring for kids. I think they're unbelievable, and they don't set the pace with this. But you know, there's so many people that can't have kids, and there's so many people that can give these kids loving homes, mm-hmm. and you know, it's unfortunate that it's hard to, it's hard to afford, you know, when we first did it, we were 26, I was 26 years old when I brought, you know, Aiden home. I didn't just have like 30 grand laying around to do it. You know, you have to take out a loan, you know, and even for Noah, like we had to figure out how to do it. And, and we did. And luckily we're in a better position now, but I don't, you know, I wish there was some uh, more readily available ways to help Um, you know, there's grants and there's this and there's that. Um, but I've done them and I've never gotten one. So I, I I just, you know. So do you mind me asking what happens to that money? Cause I know in like in some other companies or institutions that some of that money goes towards like education for some of these moms, things like that. I mean, is there, 
So the yeah, so the the one thing I loved about caring for kids is they were really upfront with everything. I mean, they give you a breakdown. This is what everything's going for. Yeah, it wasn't like oh, we need another five grand. Oh, we need another five grand. Oh, I it couldn't was, even imagine. So you know, but just like anything in life, everything has a cost. So you start off with your home study. You know, pay a couple hundred bucks. Somebody comes out. They make sure your house is safe. Okay. Um, then there's like a search fee that you pay to get on the the search list. Um. So there's. There's medical expenses for the mom. Okay. Again, if the mom's on Medicaid or Medicare, whatever one it is, you know, mm-hmm. then they don't have them. Um, there's also some expenses for the parent, but a majority of it, um, I think, is for the work that they do, mm-hmm. and for the research, and for the research, putting together and, the books and well, things. Well, yeah, like that. you know, and for their for their salaries, they're nonprofits, so okay. you know, this is they put a lot of work into it, and not only are they trying to help you, but they're counselors and and their friends and they're you know, there's a lot of emotion that goes into it. So Sure. Well, and it, I'm sitting here listening to you talk about how you had like the home, you know, visit, etc. You know, when you have a baby, nobody does that. Nobody's checking in on every month. Parents, every you month, know, six times. I used to always say you need a license to get married, but there's no <laughs> license to have a kid. But and I can't tell you in my practice in 25 years, there were so many little babies I just wanted to take home, mm-hmm. but it's not that easy. It's not. And so, you know, you go through I think it's 6 months of home visits, making, you know, asking you questions to make sure everything's going well, but you have to have everything paid off before the final adoption. Okay. Um, but once, you know, that's finalized right over in Summit County court, you go and they bring you up and it's a little ceremony. They look the, you know, they bang the hammer. Well, you hold their hand and they bang the hammer, depending on the age, your whole family's there and you're, they're legally adopted. So I mean like their birth certificates now have their names and my last, or our last name and, um, you know, How everything's exciting. been changed. So, yeah, so it was really exciting. And uh, we went back on the list a couple years ago. Oh, you did? Yes. And we had another failed adoption. Oh. Yeah, we were actually going to pick up the baby. Um, we met the mom uh, right over here somewhere, I get right off of Route 8. And uh, we got picked, a baby girl again. Um, and let me preface this where my dad has two brothers. They each have two sons. My brother just had a baby, Giovanni. So he has a boy. Uh the Mowers only have boys. It's so even if you're trying to adopt a girl, it's just, I told Brittany, it's not going to it's happen. It's not meant to be. Aww. Exactly. So we went to go pick her up. And again, it was, you know, she decided the parent and she was young. She was in high school. Wow. So um, that was upsetting. We were really excited. You know, this might, if my mom listens to this, she, this might be the first time she heard about this, honestly, because we didn't tell anybody. Um, so right now we're, we've done the foster program. So oh, we're, okay. we're, we're waiting to get on the foster care list. And that's a lot of work too. It is. And especially in we, where we live in Cuyahoga County, um, you have Cleveland. So I heard once you get on the list, it happens pretty rapidly, pretty quickly. So we're finishing that up. And then I've also been looking for some information on uh, like a surrogate. Um, yeah. My wife and I kind of talked, obviously we don't know how it works. We're trying to get information. We don't know the cost, this or that, but we kind of talked, it might be interesting if we were able to have a child that was biologically ours yeah, just to see, because not that it matters to us, but you know, we've had two failed adoptions. We're still working through this. Maybe if we can get something that's more uh, legally done up front with the lawyer and everything set in stone that we can get to the finish line 
and we can see like, oh my God, this is what our actual, this is what our biological kid would look like. So looking back at what you have experienced so far, what are some of the lessons that you've learned? And is there anything you would do differently? Um, you know, one of the big things that I learned from this, and that's why my motto, like everything happens for a reason, right? You really have to have faith and you have to have faith. And the biggest lesson I have is you have to have faith in the people that are working with you and for you. Um, if we're talking about adoption in particular, you know, you don't have any control over it, right? It's not your, um, you're not pregnant. It's not, you don't have control of going to the doctor and doing the right things. Mm -hmm. So you have to have faith in the people that are working for you that, um, they're being upfront with you. They're being honest, you know, they're there to not only help you, but help the birth mom as well. Um, and you have to really, what it really did for me is it kind of strengthened, I want to say like my faith with stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I'm not somebody that goes to church every weekend. I did go this weekend though. And Kevin Stefanski sat behind me. So that was, <laughs> so Kevin Stefanski, if you're listening, thank you for sitting behind me in church. There you go. Um, but it really, it really uh, strengthened my faith because you, I, when the failed adoption with Autumn, I was so down in the dumps in my own way. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, two weeks later, two, three weeks later, we get Aiden. It's like, wow, this is what's meant to be. Right. When, and you look back on it and we were going to have an open adoption with Autumn's mom and her grandma and they wanted to come over and hang out. And I wasn't really comfortable with it, but I wanted to have a baby. Mm -hmm. And then we have Aiden and not saying that I'm not saying I'm happy. He's not going to know his mom, but you know, I wanted to be able to raise my son my own way. So it was kind of like everything just happens for a reason. And, and you know, you put your faith in something and, and it turns out the way it's supposed to happen. So if anybody is looking um, for, or if, if anybody's looking to go through the adoption process, I think the biggest advice I could tell them is talk to people that have been through it and kind of get like a mentor so you can be prepared um, because not everybody gets two kids in 14 months. It doesn't happen that way. Some people wait 10 years, you know, we've kind of had a lifetime experience in seven years with two failed adoptions and two kids, but you really want to have, you really want to talk to people that have been through the process and you want to interview as many, um, agencies as you can to get the one that's the best fit for you because they all, are there horror stories out there? Absolutely. But a lot of them are great agencies and you really want to find the one that is, is the, fits you and is, is going to work best for you. Um, coincidentally right now, a little off topic, but when we were going through the process for the third time, um, like anything with, we were shocked. We thought there were going to be all kinds of like COVID babies up for adoption. Oh, oh, okay. And it's really slow right now. And, uh, they actually encourage us to like find like a personal marketing firm to market us to birth families across the country. Cause adoption right now is very, very slow. That's very interesting. Yes. I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah. And so, so are you still pursuing that and fostering or? I think it's kind of like, um, I think it's both and kind of see where, let the chips fall where they may. You okay. know, I think my wife would be very happy with one more, one more kid. Okay. I can, I was fine with one, honestly. <laughs> um, so we're, we're kind of pursuing both and, and we're still like really, in the infancy stages with the surrogate stuff. Like we're just really learning. No pun intended. <laughs> correct. Correct. So we're, we're, I'm waiting on a couple callbacks from some people to learn some more and to find out like how the cost works and, and all of that. But I, 
if it was up to me and the surrogate was financially feasible, that's the way I'd want to go because, you know, I wouldn't want to get attached to a kid during the foster process. And then, you know, they want to reunify with a family member. So mm, that's a I don't want to deal with that again. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, you're, you've experienced, you know, your own roller coaster. Yes. That, that brings in a, a whole different element because when you talk about control, when, when you have a foster child and I'm not discouraging you at all, but I'm just saying, and I don't want to because they're, you know, are some really great stories that where it all works out. But I think you, just like you said, you have to be aware of what all the possibilities are and what are, you know, what you potentially could experience because it, it, it now doesn't just affect you and your wife, it, it now affects the other two lives, the other two humans in your, in your home. you You know, you don't, you don't know, potentially what could be coming into your house foster wise, behavior wise, stuff like that. And it's, it's not my first choice, but I also, you know, we yeah, have and to like, work together on whatever. And I, and like I said, I'm not, I, I'm not saying I'm not discouraging you in any way or anyone else out there about um, fostering because like I, I have absolutely heard some great stories, but I do think like you said, talk to people and really Find out, you know, what, what is it really like? Because we don't always know, you know, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know sometimes what we're getting into. And, you know, there, there can be heartbreak in, in every situation. So I think that I love, like I said, that you guys have been so brave and courageous and that you're going for it again, one way or another. Yeah, one way or another. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming and, and telling your story. And I want to also remind you and your wife, and you said Brittany, right? Correct. Okay. <laughs> All of a sudden <laughs> I was like, wait, did I get it this right? Um, it's really important that you two stay connected and support each other. And I would tell any parent out there the same thing, because if you put each other first, if you put your faith, like you were talking about, first, the kids will benefit from that. And sometimes that's hard for anybody who has kids because it's very easy to be child-centered, but you need to be faith-centered and centered around your relationship. And then I promise you that that the, the love will just flow from there. And I know that sounds kind of corny, but I mean it. It's like it, it, you really have to invest in that too. So I, I'm really, um, I just want to encourage you to do that. And I'm not saying that you're not I'm just saying <laughs> Brittany's like, yeah, you know, she's yeah, know. listening in the taking her side of everything. <laughs> no, I no, no. It. I get it. I'm just saying it, it's just really important because you know, that is, it, it's not that you don't love these kids any less, but the best thing you can do for those boys is to love their mother. And that's the best thing you can do for each other as you go through this journey, no matter what is meant to be. Well, thank you so much again for coming. And I really look forward to hearing in the future how everything turns out. And um, I would love to sometime meet your family. That, that would be great. I really appreciate you allowing me to come on. And again, I'm sorry my story jumped around. No, it was so perfect. much. But I, I just I appreciate you having me on. I'd love to come on again. 
I'd love to bring Aiden with me so you can meet him. Absolutely. I think that would be, be a fun time. And I just want to kind of end if if anybody's listening to this that, you know, deal is, is going to go through the adoption process or has a son uh, with special needs and, and you need some support, you know, feel free to feel free to contact me. Um, I'll put when we post this, we can put my social media and you can contact me if you'd like. I, I'd love to be a support for for anybody out there that needs it. So and I, I think that's very important for people to understand going forward if this is something that you are interested in because having that guidance and somebody who's been through it 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 really makes such a big difference i mean i i i can't imagine going through this and not really fully understanding or having the support that that you guys have had which i i i think is great and I think that's how you get through it. That's how anybody gets through <laughs> our day, life. right? Yeah, I mean, no matter who they are. And I'd I'd love to have Noah in the in in the studio too. Could, I think yeah, we could. I think they'd have a lot of fun. If we we could bring the whole family and do it again for sure, for sure. And Brittany, sorry, Brittany, I don't mean to leave you out. <laughs> yeah, but she can come too. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to talk to her more about that that therapy you were talking about too. Yeah, so we can get the actual. Yeah, what it really writing. means. Yes. <laughs> Well, thanks again. And thanks everybody for listening to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. Don't forget to listen wherever you like to enjoy your shows, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and let's grow up together.